Hey everybody and welcome back to Overdose. Um, and I said that with as much enthusiasm as I could muster for getting out of class and getting back on to edit this episode. So what I'm doing is not releasing my episode on mental health because it's taking me a while to record. I'm finding that it's hard to kind of interview myself. Who would have thought? Um, anyway, so I'm releasing this episode. I think it has valuable insights on how to help others who are experiencing pain, especially older adults and maybe loved ones that are experiencing extreme pain and just managing it well. I think it provides insights on how to do it yourself um, and kind of just the best ways to interact with maybe a friend or a loved one who's experiencing pain and maybe hopefully help you deal with it if you are currently experiencing chronic pain. So without further ado, please enjoy the second episode, I think now, of Overdose and the Mental Health Miniseries. Also, one last thing I wanted to say was thank you guys so much. Like, I, can't, I really can't tell you how much it means to me that so many people are resonating with what I'm putting out there. Um, I was really hesitant to putting out any of these mental health episodes just because, you know, the stigma and everything that comes with it, the, maybe the struggles I'll have to deal with down the road when I'm talking about my own mental health and those fears were kind of stopping me at first, but due to your overwhelming support and just, uh, I don't know, I can't even... I'm very happy, and I really do hope you enjoy the rest of what this podcast is about, what it has to offer. I'm going to be putting out an intro episode because I realized, hey, maybe you should do that. Maybe maybe people that don't know you want to know what this podcast is going to be about. So I'm going to put that out there um, in addition to this one. So get ready, get set. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. Um, and I really look forward to putting out more quality content for you guys. And without further ado now... Please enjoy episode two of Overdose, Managing the Fear of Pain with an Anonymous Father. Thanks. So, we've got uh, the father of a loved one here with his coffee ready, ready to go. Isn't that right, father hey. of a loved one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How, how do I, how do you want to be addressed? Um, you know... Let's just talk. So, okay. Yeah, okay. Let's just talk. So, hello. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, David. Well, we're sitting in my living room here in the West. I'm 59 years old. Recently returned from a trip to visit my parents in Florida, where they've lived for a long time. We've lived across the country. I love the West because I like getting outside and skiing and hiking and you live a nice active life. <laughs> yeah. But that, that decision to move away from the home where I grew up means that I don't see my parents uh, that often, maybe about once a year. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's honestly more than, than me and some other yeah. college students who don't really get to go home yeah. sometimes, especially when yeah. you're in grad school and you're, you're studying over the break. So, we're here to kind of talk about how you've come to see your mother grow older and kind of see how she's dealt with more serious health issues and how they've progressed. So could you just give a little background about your uh, mom's health condition? Sure. You know, she she grew up um, as a very active kid. Uh, she played field hockey in, in, uh, in college and always was physically active. In her generation, you know, it was lifelong exercise, particularly for women, was not something that was particularly popular in the culture at that time. Glad that's changed. But she, <laughs> but she's always walked. She's always been physically active. But ever since she was a child, she's had issues with her back. And she explained to us as children that she had something called scoliosis. And scoliosis is a uh, curvature of the spine. It 
it it just stays with you. You, just, you can't really straighten the spine out once you've you've got a curved spine, and that made her vulnerable throughout the time of my childhood to having back problems. Was she was it a very severe scoliosis? Because I know it comes in varying degrees. It was pretty. It was reasonably severe, but not crippling. You know, she stayed active, and then I think being aware of the issues as she reached middle age, she took up exercise, and she found an exercise studio that was uh, run by a woman who had been a, um, a New York City Broadway dancer. <laughs> that's, that's, and, that's fun. That's yeah, cool. So she learned how to dance it. with her. <laughs> she, so she did a lot of stretching and strengthening exercises. Yeah. Uh, she took up sailing. Uh, and she Sailing? Yep. That sailing small boats. Really labor-intensive <laughs> for someone who has back problems. Sit in, sit in a, yeah, she really uh, was able to stay very active. And her back issues were not limiting to her for much of her life. So this was this was again while she's in college, high school. Or? Well, this this what I'm talking about now is when she was living in Florida, and she would have started sailing in her 40s. Oh wow! Okay. So, so this was part of her her tendency to be sort of a tough person. She she had some some uh, challenges in her life in terms of challenges with uh, having a child with cancer uh, at a, as a baby, um, and challenges living in an urban environment that required her to just handle a lot of complexity and and sort of physical demands of going up and down. We lived on the fifth floor of a building, and oh, for quite a while the elevator was out, and she just managed, <laughs> managed better. to go, you know, carrying all this stuff upstairs. So she, um, for a long time in her life, has, has had a certain mental toughness. When I go and see her, and, and Dad too, um, she's now 85, and it, it's different. When you see somebody once a year at that age, every time you go visit, they're, they're different. You watch the aging process progress, and there's always a little bit of concern when you first set eyes on them about what they'll be like. Definitely. Can you, so I, I know you're on a roll here, and I, I really uh -huh. hate to interrupt, sure. but I kind of want to just step back a little bit um, and talk about kind of, so it didn't seem like it affected her while you were being raised. It did from time to time. From time to time. How did she show that, or did she? Oh, you know, she would have pain, and she would she would have to, uh, you know, uh, ease up. Sometimes she'd have to rest up. She managed to avoid any kind of, you know, hospitalization or medical procedures for it, but we were always aware that she had a sensitive back. Did you feel like it prevented anything, like when you were a kid? Like no. any sort of like you missed out on like being held or no. something. I don't know. No, she was fine. She was fine. In fact, let's see. When she was fifty three, we went on an eight day backpacking trip together. Oh my god, this so, woman is incredible. <laughs> so she 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 managed just fine. She managed just fine. But she she knew she had this sort of condition that could act up from time to time. We've been aware of this of this back issue as she's grown older. It's become more challenging. I about to say, what's it like going back and visiting and seeing how her pain kind of progresses every well, year? Well, you set out and you see her for the first time. And the same with Dad, who's, who's now 88. And you wonder how they're doing, what it's like. These, these signals you get when you are with somebody, you know, when you give them a hug, they're different than what you can get over the phone. Oh, yeah. So there's always that, that sort of little bit of anxiety as you see them for the first time. And the news as a whole is good. Parents are doing well. Good. They're living together in the house that, where they've lived for over 40 years. And they're oh, supporting yeah. each other. That's so awesome that they are also living in the same house. That's like not mm -hmm. common. And my dad has a saying. He says that they are like 
two poles that are leaning against each other. You know, that the, it's like a you take one pole away, the other will fall. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so got to be worrisome in some ways. That's got to be <laughs> sure, like, which, which, sure. when, when is the pole going to sure. fall? And, but also Cause, beneficial because right. they've got a support network. This is part of, this is part of the natural progression of life, right? We all want to be of that age, right? But you also understand when you get there that this is not a simple stage of life. I'll be happy if I'm backpacking at 40, <laughs> not at 53 manning boats. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think everyone wants to live a happy, healthy life and that's especially a long one, especially. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a lot of people I've ever talked to that's not afraid of death. So when, when we see her, um, we can tell that the back pain is getting worse. She's now at a stage where it, never lets up. She can have good days and bad days, but she's never without the pain. How does that kind of express itself to you when you visit? Well, this part of the part of what we'll talk about is how she copes with it. And one of the ways she copes with it is not to show it. But you can see it in her posture. So when her back is hurting, she will bend forward and become quite quite um, unable to stand up straight. And she tires more easily. You can see it in her face. And, you know, the pain that she has um, is, is bad enough that she could be um, on pretty high dosages of opioids and other painkillers. Is she taking anything right now? She is. And this was something that she, <laughs> this was a concession she made. Wow, really? Okay, she, well, I mean, I figured. She's gone so she's into so, this stage of she's life. She's so tough. Yeah, she's gone into this stage of life with some of that same toughness. And part of that attitude she brought to it was that she would not rely on painkillers. It's incredible. I feel like a lot of people are averse to it, especially with the opioid crisis. And I mean, just that generation alone. I feel like you guys are much tougher mm -hmm. than we are. Mm -hmm. Sorry, people who are listening who are my age, but we're not. We're not sailing boats again at fifty three, and we're not. We're not prevent. We're not like avoiding painkillers for pain. We're like, give me. I think. <laughs> I think that uh, part of what's on her mind is that she's older, mm -hmm. and she's her hearing is not particularly good. And she doesn't like the feeling of not being sharp. I mean, particularly when we're visiting, she wants to be as aware and awake as possible. So she has resisted painkillers. So part of what that feels like for us as a family is a little bit of concern for her. Mm -hmm. You know, you, see, you go and you visit a loved one and you see her in pain. And your first instinct is to say, take the pill. Yeah, right. take, take it. it. I don't take like it. seeing take, you take. in pain. I want you to feel better. Right. This is a magic solution. But right. And that 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 part of what I learned on this last trip is to is to respect her decision to cope with that pain. Yeah. And part of what was important to her was to not have the pain be the subject of the conversation. To to be sure that. She that we were not seeing her as a person in pain. Yeah, that's so and awesome. That we <laughs> so, weren't defining her that way. That's so awesome. I think that I think that plays into her toughness that she's kind of always had, uh, like yeah. growing up, and it's kind of carried with her. It's like I'm not I'm not hindered by my pain. I can't you can't stop me from doing what I love, even if I have these back problems or this pain. And I'm not going to let you see me in pain. So it that's builds, right. It builds like almost an artificial pain tolerance, like or like a. I don't know. I think you said it. You said it really cool yesterday. You said, um, "What was the word?" It was like a love. Well, that's, that's so. This is the, our visit. Our visit for her was a big moment. 
This yeah. is the annual visit from from her uh, from her son and her daughter in law, and she's f very fond of both of us. And uh, so she clearly gets up for it. But it was also interesting to see how important that visit was for her overall state of being. Yeah. You know, she really rises to the occasion. So when we were talking earlier, I was referring to it as being sort of a family intervention or a love intervention. And I don't mean intervention in the sense of, of trying to change something about yeah, her. Yeah, sitting down and like, take your meds. We want but, you to feel better kind of thing. You're not imposing your views on her. It's more of like... How can our support and love of just being with you help with your desire and maybe motivation to resist pain meds and pain itself? Exactly. Exactly right. Because what, what it really is, is it gives her a focus in her life that draws her forward and outwards. Because pain can be something that, that draws you inward. Yeah. And as, it, as, you, as you turn into yourself, that pain can sort of enter that center of yourself and be much more dominant. So it was so interesting to watch her rise to the occasion. And one evening on this trip, we took a we, we went and visited a neighboring town. My father wanted to see what the downtown of this uh, place, just a half an hour drive away, was like. And we decided we would have dinner there and then drive back. And at any point during this, is there art? Is she saying, "Oh, my back hurts," or "Oh, I'm feeling like I can't do this"? Never. But oh my it God. was very clear that getting in the car for half an hour and then sitting in a restaurant for a meal and driving home was very challenging. It's almost like she's playing a, a like she's she's competing. It's almost like she's competing for her presence in the moment. I guess her presence yeah. of making yeah. sure everyone else is having a good time, which in turn makes sure she has a good time because. Again, love is the focus, not the pain. That's right. That's right. And, it, you know, in, in when we're not there, she chooses other things that she focuses on. For instance, she lives under a canopy of live oak trees in Florida. Oh, my God. It's that's a beautiful, gorgeous. beautiful, shaded awesome. piece of property. The result is, though, that there's all of these leaves. Oh, my God. She's raking them with her pain. So she, she, she is determined to go out and tend the, the the yard, tend the flowers, rake the leaves, and she'll often talk about how she'd done this or she'd done that with a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I was about to say, well, in so, some part of me, like the medical part of me is like, okay, so strength training, right? So at a certain mm -hmm. point, raking is, is, I mean, with somebody with scoliosis, it's probably really painful, but at the same time, it's building some of those stabilizing muscles and kind of keeping those muscles that may prevent more pain from developing Right, so there's a physical part of it and there's a mental part of it. I feel like the mental is much more essential. At this age, at the age of 85, her ability to, to manage her back condition through physical therapy and exercise like she did when she was young Not is becoming same. much more limited. Not the same. So what, what's so interesting is that, that sense of being with her and feeling on the inside as both my wife and I felt sort of this concern for her and this, this, this desire for her to take more pain meds to be more comfortable. And yet also recognizing that she's making an affirmative choice very, to not do that. A very affirmative choice. And it doesn't seem to be a negative choice. It doesn't seem to be harming her. If anything, it seems to be working better than the pain meds. Because even then, I'm sure she's worried about it mm -hmm. and you're worried about it with addiction and also the effects on the aging mind. And just, just the side effects can almost be more detrimental mm -hmm. to somebody at that age because of clearance problems and just, I mean, a multitude of things. Is she taking any other meds? Is it just pain? Oh, I, you know, I'm sure she is. Um, there's nothing I know about. Um, 
and but I'm sure she's taking blood pressure or something. Yeah, so something she's classic. probably on some other prescriptions. Well, and, and I think you you mentioned this before. Like pain isn't health condition that's directly linked to like a body system. It's mm-hmm. very very. It's more variable than your average disease per person. Yeah, Everyone's that was going to experience it differently. That was an interesting part of our conversation yesterday. Is that people often take medication and should stay on it. They yes. have a condition that's being treated and for their health they should stay on it. Pain is an interestingly different thing in our lives. And it's stigmatized a little bit because I think it's it tied to be. addiction and it's tied to like abuse and it's it shouldn't Well the drugs can the, you know the pain itself is just the pain. Exactly. And, and but everybody experiences it differently so right. everyone's interpretation of it is going to be like oh that person's just taking a large dose of oxycodone. There's people there's cystic fibrosis patients who are guzzling pain medications and don't feel the effects of it and are constantly in pain. But somebody like me who's never experienced that, mm-hmm. if I wasn't in pharmacy school, I'd assume, oh, they're an addict. Oh, I work at a pharmacy, and this guy fills like 150 uh, Norco. Like, it's not – you can't have that mentality, especially when your experience is very different from someone else. Well, it's just – this experience with her reminds me of how different the setting um, – of people coming into a pharmacy live in mm-hmm. right? and she lives with a husband that supports her um, she lives in an environment and with a personal history that is specific mm-hmm. and one way to think about the pain meds is you, you, you think about the question differently when you talk to a patient how's your pain or how's your life hmm. and I like that those are two different questions she would say, my pain is bad, my life is good. And the, the two interact in a way that means that her approach to taking medication is different. And so the fact that she has resisted, and she's, she's now taking an opioid at night, so she's clearly trying to manage the pain. She's not some sort of... Uh, she's not like know, resisting She's it. not the Hercules of pain management. No, she's, but she sounds pretty Herculean, like if we're being but, but honest. She, but her, yeah, her setting, her attitude give her a certain platform, a certain foundation for dealing with the medication issues and trying to stay as sharp and with it as she can despite the way she feels. So everybody who's going to come in is going to have a different presentation. So one of the things she mentioned is that the signals she was getting from her medical providers were that she should try to be as limited as she could be with That's, the pain meds. She's seeing a great doctor. In medicine, it's really easy to think, oh, I'll throw a drug at it. I'll throw, I'll throw a pain med at it. Again, legally, if a patient's admitted to a hospital, they need to be given pain meds because of a lawsuit, um, which is problematic or not, it's, there's still people in pain that need help. And if a prescriber realizes a patient is really mm-hmm. not is really seeking mm-hmm. pain management mm-hmm. help, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna try and get the best of both worlds. And it, I feel like your doctor probably picked up on what you're picking up on. Is like this woman is determined. Like this woman's yeah. got a strong mind. I don't need to. I start low, and I really don't need to go high because her, she's managing her pain mentally more than maybe an opioid might be able to help. Well, and I think it's really important for pain to be managed. This is critical. Oh, very pain, critical. Pain is, is, if you've experienced it, it is incredible, fear-inducing, life-shrinking. And then the fear leads to more pain, like as you Exactly. But the way, again, this back to this question, of it's not how is your pain, how is your life? When you're talking with somebody like my mother who is living with pain every day, Talk to the whole person because it will take the whole person to manage the experience and to stay present and to have uh, a good life. 
No, and I, I think you put it perfectly. I think your, your, your mother serves a really good example for a lot of people out there. And I think your interpretation of how you're dealing with a loved one going through that pain is, is going to be insightful for a lot of people. So just to kind of close things off. So I guess how has her outlook specifically affected you? Like how has it translated? Do you think it's something that it's pat, like heritable? Is it a is it a oh. trait? Is it something you develop? <laughs> I know it's a hard question this, for you. So did she pass this on to her children? Well, I mean, you probably you got, probably in some sense. You're super active. You're still yeah. going out and doing like isolation yeah. trips, camping and whatnot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, no, I mean, I think the physical the physical activity translated differently. Um, her her three children are all quite different from each other. Um, the baby who had cancer survived. Oh my God! Well, uh, I mean, unlike almost everybody else, he's he's the oldest survivor of this cancer that he's run into. Um, oh he had very aggressive experimental treatments in the late 60s. Um, and as a I don't result, even want to know what those treatments were like. Uh, radiation. Um, <laughs> Good. He's had a lot of health issues since then, including recurrences of cancer. He got hepatitis C. Um, Does he have a similar mental resilience? He has an incredible mental resilience. I feel like you have to. In, in his case, some of it comes from his personal experience and some of it comes from his religious faith. There you go. Okay. Um, you know, that religious faith isn't as big a part of, of the other um, children, but um, this idea of kind of a physical toughness, I think, came down from both of our parents. So how would you, I guess, recommend somebody listening to this, uh, maybe in a similar situation, who's on the fence of approaching a loved one, wanting them to manage their pain better, maybe through meds or through a recommendation? How would you suggest they go about that? Should they go about it? And what would be the best way they can do it for their highest chance of maybe seeing their loved one follow their what they wish? Should they even do that? Well, think maybe the maybe the way to go at this is to, to is to think about it. My my experience with my mom is obviously very individual, and people are so different from each other. But a couple of things I would take away from it: don't make the experience of pain the core topic of the conversations and the interactions. That's very easy to do when, as I would see every evening, her posture would lean forward and her face would show pain. And you love them, so it's like, how can I help you? you got to fight that kind of internal urge to be like, do you need some water? Do you need an ice right. pack? Do right. you need... So don't, don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't focus on it as the core topic that connects you. Find other ways of connecting. Express admiration for their lives. Think about the ways in which their lives can be full, as full as they can be. Um, and try to draw that person forward and outward so that the pain doesn't always sit at the core of what they're doing at the time. And would you say, at least for me, like, because my, my mom's going through her own medical conditions, and I think the biggest thing with me as I'm going through pharmacy school is I'm learning more, a lot more about the inside process and what what the, you know, recommended steps are as far as, like, go see your doctor, trust your doctor, follow their instructions. Are you following, mm -hmm. are you adhering to the medication or therapy they're prescribing? It sounds like, from what we've talked about, it's, you've never really played a role in, like, you should go see this, or you should go handle your... Like, you never really played an active role in, like, managing her health for her. No, that's right. And and she's she's my mom, so it's a little hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> with, with that particular person, it's hard to... I, th I think, oh, yeah. I think oh, yeah. though, that what you can do, and maybe this is another important thing, is to, is to recognize the rhythms of the pain that they have. There were times when I needed to be mindful of getting her back home and not, you know, so you want to draw them forward, but you also don't, don't want, want to, push to create them too far. situations in which... Exacerbates uh, pain. Yeah, that, that they can't manage. 
So respecting respecting their commitment to managing their lives, and their own giving, decisions, giving them it's a, what people hear from their loved ones is an important part of their identity. And if what they're hearing from you is that I don't see you as a person in pain, I see you as a person with a life, and I admire your your courage and your involvement in that life. That's an incredibly powerful message for an older person in pain. And it might be more effective than some of pain management through medicine. So I think this has been very powerful. I think people are going to love this. Um, so <laughs> my last guest didn't really want to do the sign-off. Um, do, you, do you want to do the sign-off for me? Do you know what that is? No. It's um, uh, stay healthy and don't overdose. <laughs> <laughs> stay healthy and be careful. <laughs> be careful <laughs> and don't overdose. All right. Thank you. All Thank right. you very much. That was great. Yeah. Thank you, David. See you.